Hello and welcome to Elixir Talk, the podcast where we discuss... I don't know, what do we discuss these days? Things. Stuff and things. And stuff about the Elixir programming language and ecosystem. My name is Desmond Bowie and I'm joined by Chris Bell. Hello Desmond. I was thinking we never talk about Star Trek anymore as well. You know, I've been watching Star Trek recently. Discovery or the old stuff? Uh, I'm stuck in the next generation. Have you been watching Discovery? I'm also just stuck with old Star Trek, so it's. I think it's just like a loop. It's a permanent life loop that I'm going to live forever, so... You know, that was an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, yes, I'm sure. Sorry, I just dropped something, so... <laughs> yeah, we um, all heard that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was what that loud bang was. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, that definitely was an episode where he lives a life loop. You're right. No, no, that's not... You're thinking of... Uh the inner light where he lives someone else's life. This is the one where it starts off. They're all playing cards. Yeah. And then like, uh, something happens and they get sucked into something and they try to do something and then the ship blows up. And then the next scene, they're like back at the card game again. And slowly they realize uh, that they're in a time loop. Is that where like Wesley figures it out? No data figures it out. Oh, data figures. They it have out. to like okay. send a message to themselves in the next loop to like make a different decision. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. That's pretty good. There's a lot of like riffs on the theme of like loops and time travel, right? In Star Trek? Yeah. I guess it's a recurring theme for a reason because there's a lot you can kind of play with. I was thinking about the one where Worf is like traveling back from that um, Batleth tournament and he's like gets trapped in some kind of time loop thing. And then there's many versions of Worf in different timelines. Mm-hmm. And there's one where he's like uh, with Deanna, which I guess kind of happens actually, right? So Well, that's what prompts them to like take up a relationship is he's in this timeline where they're together. And then he gets back to his regular one. He's like, <laughs> you know, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I can just see him saying it exactly <laughs> like that. Pretty sure that's like word for word from the script, right? captain yeah, oh my you know God. it was awesome <laughs> wow anyway i know it's kind of funny like how much of the choices we make are because of things that we think are possible and how you can be perfectly happy or think you're happy doing something and then someone says you know you'd be good at xyz or have you ever thought about doing whatever and then it becomes a part of your reality and then you're like oh yeah i guess so like you need to have you need to have it sort of mapped out for you to be able to make that decision right you need to be, it to be brought to the forefront and then you know. Mm-hmm. So have you had any of those moments recently? Um, I'm trying to think now that I brought this up and I'm under <laughs> podcast pressure. <laughs> podcast pressure. It, it's real, people. It's real. Um, I was thinking about my New Year's goals as we're in a new year and being a cliched person that I am. I like to think about my goals for the year and what I want to learn and do and all of those kinds of things. So my, a lot of my technical goals are kind of centered around branching out a little bit more because you know what? Like I do think something uh, that's happened to me over the last few years is that as I've been doing less coding like day-to-day and more management, I think my eyes have been kind of just less open to some of the 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 technology surrounding us you know so i think 
I haven't really picked up any new languages or looked at any kind of new frameworks or anything like that since probably a good few years ago, which is, uh, yeah. And I think that's kind of to our detriment as engineers. I think that a really important part of, uh, of the role of engineers is often to be continuously learning and to roll in that back into your kind of your day to day, into your life, into, into kind of everything that you're doing. So I'm looking at learning some go because that's something that I've always wanted to pick up and I haven't yet done. Um, and I also wanted to learn some more serverless as well. They're my two kind of goals for this year. How did you pick up on those two as opposed to anything else? So unfortunately for me, this is kind of driven by needs uh, from work, which I think is a fair way to like think about learning, not explicitly because I'm going to be coding in those things, but because Actually, an understanding of those things will probably help my team um, and help the company, hopefully, <laughs> to, um, through me to kind of, you know, figure out if we're using the right pieces of tech. And hopefully I can be a bit more useful in those areas because um, for us, there are two pieces of technology that we use here at Frame that I know very little about and have no opinions on. And I would like to be a bit more knowledgeable about them. So, mm-hmm. Not the most like compelling answer, I guess, to that, but I, yeah, I still think it's important. I think like with the serverless stuff, I kind of want a rebuttal to it because a lot of the time people are like, yeah, you know, serverless, all the things. And I, I, I need to like go through the pain of doing it to see what it's like, you know, and I want to, I want to really experience it and build something using in some kind of serverless fashion to understand like strengths and weaknesses as well. Mm-hmm. And then go just because, you know, I think um, I think it's an obvious choice coming from doing some Elixir. Might as well learn some Go. I know there's a good talk at MPEX LA about the differences between the concurrency models, right? So I'll hopefully be watching that once it's out as well. Yeah, that should be a fun talk. And it's kind of funny having talk about Go at an Elixir conference. But, you know, I think the merits of each can stand on their own. Right. And I, I do think there's this thing where like having these talks from different communities, understanding like what other communities are doing and where they're moving forward and, you know, com- comparing and contrasting to your own com- community is really important for the health of that community and for the growth and development of that language and ecosystem as well. I think things in echo chambers generally it's like not a very good place to be. So I think like having some outside perspective is, is really positive as well. Yeah. I mean, it's super easy to get tribal about our languages or our text editors, whatever, (laughs) but I think you're right that it is to our detriment. And we forget that like at the end of the day, we're all solving problems and just picking different approaches to solving those problems. And the more that you forget about other people's approaches you know, you just diminish your own toolkit and then everything starts looking like your particular nail. Totally. And yeah, and you know, we don't have to feel threatened by other communities' um, strengths or successes or anything. I mean, maybe you do, in which case, maybe your community is not that strong to begin with. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to open yourself up to that sort of challenge um, so that you'll know. Like hiding out, you know, being protectionist, like doesn't really you don't it doesn't help you in the long run definitely i i mean i think something else that 
I guess on the exact related note is like, I, I've been doing the same thing for a while. And like, I think like scratching an itch to do something different and just like peering your head around the corner to see if there's better ways of doing things is really yeah. useful as well. Yeah. Like I think that about, sorry to talk about JavaScript, but to talk about the way I've been building front end for the last five years has been like through React and then through a progression of different state management frameworks in React, settling on Redux over the last couple of years and then kind of refining an approach there. But like there's that ecosystem is is rich. It's kind of quite diverse. There's like a lot of different different approaches to to building apps. You know, I did some Ember and some Angular and some other things way back when. But um hey, heck, maybe I should just dabble in some live view, you know? Like try something yeah. out like that. Try something completely different out. Mm-hmm. So yes, I am trying my best to roll this back into my like side project that i talked about a few episodes ago around um building a better pull request notification system for github and especially for engineers and engineering managers who are doing a lot of code review day to day because god knows that that's a problem that i know a lot about and have dropped the ball on many times so that's where that impetus is coming from yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. We just had that situation today at work where our PRs have been backed up for a couple of days and we have a, a shame board. We call it the 405, which is a highway, runs by our office, which is constantly backed up. So the joke is like, oh, the 405, the pull, pull requests are all backed up. Should probably do something about it. Only in LA would you have traffic-based like code review jokes. <laughs> Yeah, and then there was a joke about, well, what happens if it's all clear? And they're like, well, we can't call it the 405 anymore. It'd have to be called something else. We couldn't think of another road that was actually clear. Because <laughs> so there are none. State. Nope. It just doesn't exist. Um, yeah, I think I think um, like as your team progresses, like code review becomes a really important issue, right? Like you want to remove as many bottlenecks as possible. You want to get as many people in the team reviewing code, looking at code, approving code as possible. You don't want to like, you don't want to be like going too much towards this like eye of perfection as well. You want a healthy balance between like the amount of comments you have, the amount of time it takes to get a PR merged in. It's it's honestly like one of those. This is like such a boring engineering managery kind of thing to be saying, but. It's like a very interesting team challenge, I think, as you scale. And it obviously it's something that's so important, right? Like you, you wouldn't want to like forgo code review and just like remove it from your team. So and you want to keep up the quality and like the the kind of consistency and patterns and context and all of these things that you get through doing code review on your on your team. But there has to be a balance in terms of how long it takes for people to get their work merged in um for like you know the amount of time people's like features are effectively blocked before they can go to to customers so i don't know i'm super curious to hear what other teams do there so mm-hmm. yeah do you have a, do you feel like you have a good practice in your team with it for pull requests yeah for code review in general and pull requests uh well we generally tag people and then they review them do you assign reviewers or are you using the assigners? We assign reviewers, uh, but it's there's not really a system. It's just like, well, who do you think should see this? Yeah. And sometimes other people will jump on. I mean, I review almost every pull request. You do? So are you one of the bottlenecks? No, I mean, I'm not always tagged in them. Okay. But you'd like, like to, to keep a handle on it? Yeah. yeah. I, 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 
um, 100% agree with this idea that engineering managers and engineering leaders should have a really good pulse on the code that's going through their teams. I think it helps you develop like an idea about where there where there might be problems. I think it helps you understand like you know seeing how long features take to develop. It's better than just like seeing this hundred thousand foot view of like tickets going through the system as well. I feel like it's a lot more real. You know that makes mm-hmm. sense. So yeah, also gets you out of Jira. I think if you spend your entire life in Jira, it kind of drives you insane. I try to spend no time in Jira. Yeah, is that because you're using Pivotal? No, we use Clubhouse. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, it works pretty Look well. Look at us just talking about things that aren't Elixir-based, but are yet maybe interesting to our listeners. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I hadn't really set goals for this year. I'm kind of reflecting on like what's interesting to me now, though. And what's interesting to me is real-time. I think this is an area of uh, Elixir in particular that we haven't really we haven't really branched out into. Um, I mean, there's the obvious use case of chat, which is of course why Erlang was invented in the first place. But I'm really interested in the user experience of apps that make real time free, and what it means for users and what it means for developers to say that whatever you're looking at on the screen is the latest. If someone adds a new record you're going to see that everything's going to get pushed down. If someone toggles the state of something, enables a player, does whatever, like you can just sit there and watch stuff change. You don't have to refresh the page. Um, I think that in, that will enable some very profound interactions and ultimately kind of change the relationship that we have with our software when we can assume it'll be there. We can assume, not be there, but we can assume that it's always the truth. Mm. And we don't have to do anything we don't have to consult the oracle it comes to us and this idea of like bringing the information out to us is super interesting i feel like after knowing you for so long that's been like one of your consistent elixir themes right web sockets in real time yeah but like more specifically i i I think that's like a means to an end i think like your goal has always been and correct me if i'm wrong but like this idea of this interface that feels very fresh and you've always got the most recent data and it's clear that like that's something you really value yeah, I mean, I think it is a, a step away from, it's the final step away from the old notion of the web as a document-oriented system. You make right. requests, you know, you load the page, and a lot of front-end frameworks have been making headway into the space, uh, into like a rich application. But I think there's, I think they've always been hamstrung by the capabilities of their backends, mm. and I don't think that apps and interfaces have been designed with real time first do you honestly like every time i read about cqrs and event sourcing it feels like those models make it easier to kind of deal with real time because you're always just replaying like an event log right and Mm -hmm. it's very easy for a generic client to consume an event log and then just be like boom i've got all the most up-to-date information um I may be completely oversimplifying it, by the way, because I have never written like a complex like CQRS or event sourcing app. But I mean, I can um, just to touch on like one piece of experience that we've had at Frame, which is like we believe in real time, right? Like we 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 try and live and breathe what you're talking about, and the complexities that it that it introduces on the client, even with a model like Redux, which is all about like 
you basically have events coming in and they they update some single store of all of your um, data that's local on each client and then everything magically re-renders. So you can get some way towards what you're talking about, right? So something happens on the server, you tri trigger a WebSocket push and then boom, everything's up to date. But like making that generic and work across all of your data and every mm -hmm. single type without having to opt into it and think about it from a client perspective is an interesting challenge. And I feel like something like something like CQRS and event sourcing might promote some more of that idea. Um, no, sorry, more of those ideas. Um, just because you have this like consistent single event log of all of the things that could happen in the system. So mm -hmm. rather than like the client always having to say like, oh, let me listen to this particular event, you know? Yeah, but my, I mean, my angle on this is not technical so much as it is UX driven. Yeah, totally. I get that. Yeah. So yeah, the event sourcing, that presents an interesting challenge. Uh, functional reactive clients, like that's an interesting solution. But one, one problem here can also be like just thrashing the UI, right? Like if you're receiving mm -hmm. like a huge stream of events, yeah. it can become very problematic that in a model like React where you're saying like, given some new information, re-render what I have on the screen, right? Something that we found is that when there's too many updates, we were like just spending so much energy, just like re like thrashing and trying to repaint and redraw everything all the time. And what we ended up having to do was actually implement a queue and a batching system on the front end to say every single time like a real-time event comes in, read it into this queue and then pop everything off as a single update rather than trying to process them one at a time. To, to reduce the amount of repaints that we ended up doing. Hmm. I mean, I think there's also the experience of if I'm looking at something and then the interface moves it away because something else has come in, it's like, yeah. wait a second, I was looking at that. Yeah, it, honestly, that gets really confusing from a UX perspective, right? Yeah, totally. But this is this is the problem I'm interested in, hmm. is where... Where do you get to do that easily? And what are the what are the spaces in which it's like, you know what? Don't do that. Wait for the user to take some action. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And like when something does disappear, how do you notify them in an elegant way that it's moved or like show them some kind of interaction or bring their like eye to it visually that it that it has moved or something's happened. But yeah, that's what's interesting to me about it is the uh, the UX portion, the like you know, when does it make sense to have the app update in front of you? And when does it make sense to have the user request to see the latest? Mm -hmm. like that, that part is what I'm, what I'm interested in figuring out. Right. And then building these really rich kind of experiences using web technology. Yeah. Cause I think once you've got a handle on the sorts of problems that map very well to like free real time, uh, then I think that opens up new product ideas and other ways of thinking about, um, building software that we haven't thought about before because we've been constrained by our technologies and by what's possible or what takes a large team several months to build as opposed to one or two developers using Phoenix Live View. Mm. Oof, what a selling point. Dude, do you remember when like when Facebook came out and they had like an Ajax photo uploader on the web? I remember like I remember being mind blown by this. I remember like building websites and then being like, holy shit, Ajax is so cool. And like the things you can build with it and all these really interactive experiences. And, and then, and then like 
Google Maps came out and then Gmail and all these like really rich apps. And you're like, mm-hmm. holy shit, we've, I, I, I think that honestly, I'm such a web fan. I'm always going to be. And I, like people who know me know that I, um, especially at work, like we, we, we do like lots of very rich kind of native experiences. I'm like, I still believe that you can do most of it on the web, you know, if not get like at least 90% of the way there. And the way the tech's going, I feel like people are going to be all the way there constantly, you know, except mm-hmm. I think there's only going to be very niche applications that don't need to be web apps. But and I also just maybe maybe JavaScript isn't the best language to do everything in. And like it has plenty of flaws, but like the web as a platform is is fantastic, I think. And I, th- I feel like we're still in our infancy there. Mm-hmm. And let's hope Elixir can be at the forefront of powering some of these like very rich experiences. Well, it will be if one of us takes the language and does something with it. I mean, that's what it means to power it is one of us turn around and did something cool with the language. So, yeah, maybe like doing more with live view might be really interesting there. Although the, the one thing about that, I, I feel like the way the web's going, like progressive web apps are all about like the offline experience and what that means and things. So I think there's a lot. And that, like building a really rich app does mean that you need to handle a lot of that offline experience as well. And that presents an interesting challenge with the kind of like the real time notion that you're talking about. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I feel like these, these things are really interesting topics that we're still, we've been, we've been progressing on and everything's been getting better, but there's still a long way to go. And especially like on the front end side to make it easier, you know, Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's hard building these complex apps is hard and it takes a lot of people a lot of expensive people yeah so, yeah but alas cool so that's what you're going to be spending some time on this year uh that's sort of my what i've been leading towards and to your point i think it's i mean i'm not just going to pick a book off a shelf and be like yeah let's learn this for no reason i mean it helps to have some affinity towards the subject or some direction or motivation from work or something to pursue it because otherwise like why this why that yeah definitely and honestly like i still say this to a lot of the engineers that i manage which is like having having those side projects is still such a a powerful way to learn you know like even if you don't ship it i think it's fine like even if you're just like dabbling or screwing around with something as like a means to an end to learn something new like i i just i deeply believe that you can have a very supportive work environment where you can learn a lot and you'll get a ton of value out of that. No doubt about it. But I still feel like self-directed learning and making sure that you're like spending time and investing time back in yourself to keep learning is like, that's the way you're going to keep progressing in this career. So ran over. Well, on that note, a great way to learn more and invest in yourself is to come to MPEX, which is happening, it'll probably be this weekend by the time this episode comes out, Saturday, February 2nd, Los Angeles, California, sunny Los Angeles, California. Come check out a full day of um, awesome talks, really strong technical talks covering such topics as metaprogramming, amnesia, flow, sending a trillion messages with flow battle lessons wait war stories about using uh erlang in production that should be a lot of fun and the aforementioned go versus elixir concurrency talk uh a bunch of cool things and a great opportunity to really dig deeper into the into the technology 
And there's also a nerves training the day before. Frank and Justin are going to come out and dig into some nerves hardware. So if you've been interested in that, which a lot of people are, I mean, I think nerves talk about like a great application for this technology. I mean, embedded, I think, is a really good fit for this um, platform. And it's a big step up from, I don't know if you've done a lot of microcontroller stuff, but writing all that in C, like it's hard to get very far past like the blink and lights phase. Mm -hmm. so that's cool a lot of interesting work being done in that scene as well and then uh i just announced that i'll be leading a training called elixir in production or elixir to production and that's for people who have been using elixir in these side projects and like it are interested in it but don't feel comfortable using it for their next production application so we're going to look at that knowledge gap between oh you feel good now like what's holding you back from taking it over there so be sure to check that out it should be a lot of fun Great uh, venue, disco ball, live music, MPEX. Check it out. Sounds very good. I was actually just starting to look up flights to LA because I maybe can try and come. So I'm, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if I can get down there. Because like, you know what, I was thinking as well, it would be really fun to uh, to just see more of the community. I feel like I haven't done too many events recently, and I always have a hoot, and it's a good crew. So. You know, hoot like an owl. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> well, on that note, it's probably time to wrap things up over here. It definitely is. Um, oh, one other cool thing. Elixir 1.8 yeah. shipped. So oh have you done your upgrade yet? No. Five days ago, man. Five days. You're just five days behind. But um, one thing, just one thing that I thought was cool, the new protocol so you can um add your own custom instruct inspections that mm -hmm. seems actually really useful we had all these problems where like we'd have a stack trace and then like some private data from someone would end up in your log line that you'd then have to scrub i don't know i don't know if you've had this problem but like basically when you start having a security team start doing penetration tests and all of these things basically the surface area of problems increases exponentially and um just just this one thing alone is going to save us some headaches so i'm very happy about that so woo. nice 1.8 also we're so close to two do you think we're going to go 1.92 i think so i mean they're working on 1.9 right now my suspicion is that two will be when they put in um mixed releases Ooh. and yep. after that they'll be done so i could see another minor version after that for some bug fixes or something but then i think that's it I think that's it. You, you sure we won't just stay in 1.9 for like a really, really long time? 1.99? Yeah, yeah, exactly. 1.999 will asymptotically approach uh, two. Nice. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, I, um, I'm excited. I'm excited that it seems like 1.9 has already come along. So it's cool to see these things like the speed in which uh, releases are still coming out of the core team. So thank you as always to the core team for, for that. Cool. Well, hopefully we'll see each other in LA, Desmond. But if not, I guess we'll see each other on a on a screen soon. On a future episode of Elixir Talk. A future. I mean, we do do this pretty regularly, so we'll we'll be having some guests on really soon. If you're sick of hearing us, you know, our dulcet tones, and also it's probably really useful to have uh, some more opinions around just like what we were talking about before. So yeah, particularly people who know what they're talking about. Yeah, I mean, that's always good, Teach right? Teach us. Yeah. yeah. That'd be great. 
not some like post technical like used Managers. to know it yeah. people yeah you know <laughs> yeah what and, do know? yeah what do they know on that note i guess we should wrap so thank you very much for listening it's been another episode of elixir talk elixir talk if you like this episode please please give us a rating or a review for wherever you get this podcast uh, and that would be much appreciated and if you have any other feedback about this episode or anything else we've been doing, uh, you can hit us up on Twitter, which is twitter.com slash elixirtalk. Um, you can open up an issue on GitHub, which is github.com slash elixirtalk slash elixirtalk. Or you can even tweet at us on our personal handles, which you can get to on our website, which is elixirtalk.com. And I think that covers most of the means of communication that we have to currently maybe if we launch some kind of you know encrypted chat service you could do us get us on there but you know that's all we have so i'm gonna stop <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah thanks everyone and as always keep elixiring keep elixiring keep elixiring, keep elixiring. and star trek and star trek 